All right. Welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast. I'm Aaron, pastor at Watershed and Hardaway Ministries. Always to my, it, it, it's one of those things, right? I, I Always to, to left. my left. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I sit to the left, ironically. This is Bill, Pastor Bill from Celebration <laughs> Campus at Hardaway. We are at a CRC church, so we have seats, designated seats, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pastor JB, Campus Pastor Fusion here at Hardwick Ministries. Hello, I'm Darwin. I'm the executive pastor here at Hardwick Ministries. Faithful and, ringleader. Yeah. yeah, and we have a spe- yeah. I think last time we said we've got another special guest coming. Yep. So you yep. are special, oh boy. Nate DeWitt. <laughs> Put that in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My name is Nate DeWitt. I'm the youth pastor here at Heart Awake. So glad to join you today. And as youth pastors, like we could give you all kinds of different titles, like pastor of youth and family pastor. <laughs> Lots of different things. It's a yeah. broad, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, broad job description. Definitely, yes. man. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us, guys. Good to be at the table with you. And uh, Darwin, you have um, brought this book to us this week or uh, this month and uh, this week. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, why don't you why don't you lead us through our conversation today? All right. Well, good. It's great to be here. This is a wonderful book. Um, I think it'll um, engender lots of fun discussion because most of us have some experience with youth ministry. Um, but let me just begin. The book is The End of Youth Ministry by Andrew Root. And the subtitle is Why Parents Don't Really Care About Youth Groups and What Youth Workers Should Do About It. Um, it's a mouthful. Um, so as we jump in, let me – One thing I just noticed – there's a question mark at the end of that, and you don't get that uh, if you're not reading it. And so we're right. on a podcast, The End of Youth Ministry? Like there's a oh, question mark there. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was worth <laughs> mentioning. So let me, um, um, let, me, let me make a couple opening observations um, about this book before we, before we kind of start with some questions. I think the first observation I'd like to make is he's painting with a very broad brushstroke. Andy Root is, is a theologian. He's a kind of social historian. And he's um, trying to describe trends that he's seeing um, in society and culture and how that is um, impacting youth ministry, um, particularly parents' attitudes towards youth ministry. So he writes with a, a very broad brushstroke. So Pro- so with that one, Darwin, yeah. so am I not allowed to like that then? Because you're, you're – No, you're allowed to like that. <laughs> or I mean, am, am I – can Actually, not let like me see. It. Yeah, can I not like that? <laughs> well, you, you can not like that. That's fine. But I think it's it's when someone paints with a broad brushstroke like this. There's there's always lines. Right. There's always exceptions, and it's not going to account for every situation. So, sure. um, you just want to note that. The second thing that is really important to note um, here, I think, and I'm not sure it was intended or unintended. I just don't know the author's intent. Um, but Andy has has done a whole series of books um, entitled a, subtitled "A Secular Age." It's actually four volumes, um, and there's a lot in this book that I think assumes some sort of understanding of what he's talking about in those other books. So at times, if you feel like totally bewildered uh-huh. about what he's saying. Wordy. Um, <laughs> it's a little wordy. Little wordy. Yeah. And it's this a little is wordy. ministry. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you feel bewildered at points, like what is he actually getting at? Um, you probably need to go back and read 
the a secular oh, age four oh, volume four volumes. Hog- 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 volume Hog- is an accurate description. Hog- Hog- <laughs> and don't those four volumes push back to Charles Taylor's? Oh, they yeah, they all push the back same to name. Charles Charles Taylor. Which yeah. is an encyclopedia. You know, yeah, so. exactly. So you if all that, have reading to do. If that's not deep <laughs> enough, go deeper. Well, and then if you really want to go deeper before you go to Charles Taylor's, you read Jamie Smith's summary of Charles Taylor, Good which night. requires a PhD to understand um, I'm Charles out. Taylor. So, oh, yeah. so all I want to say is that there's a bunch of dense stuff behind this. It's heavy. Kind of like, kind of like the microphones here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. bunch of dense stuff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just at least one. Oh. oh. So, so we're going to make it simple. There, there's a lot of uh, dense stuff here. Um, so at times, if I may kind of jump in and and try to clarify, because I've had the privilege of reading all four of the Secular Age volumes and Smith, and Humble I've brag. tried to Humble wade through Taylor. Um, no, they, it's Nate's just, diving right in. No, 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 no. Picking on him. He knows no, how they, we they roll. Pick, they pick they pick on me all the time. It's my job. I, I that's I I'm the one that's supposed to read those things. They read other things. So, um, first off, I'd just like to ask, what was your impression? Of of this book, your general impression, and we'll begin with Nate since he's the youth director. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I thought um, a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I did like kind of like we talked about just a second ago. I thought there was a sometimes a little bit wordy, a little bit heavy. Um, okay. I thought there were a lot of good points made, um, but I thought at times too he could have potentially gotten to the point a hair quicker than he did. Um. You know, as a busy guy, there's a lot going on, and I'm sometimes reading a lot of pages that I'm like, okay, that you could have said that in about a paragraph, but thanks. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I did appreciate, too, there's a kind of a conclusion or summary at the end, too, that, that summed up a lot of it um, in, a, I think, a more simple way than some of the wordiness throughout the rest of the book. But there's some interesting points. Um, I think your point, too, of the, the broad brushstroke. Um, if you're reading this as a parent or if you're reading it as a, as a youth pastor, youth minister, youth worker, uh, you got to kind of come in with like, don't be defensive about what you're reading. Right. Um, because it might not yeah. completely apply to you or right. apply to you at all, but it does give some good perspective. So, right. yep. okay, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, um, the, I, I, I would title his book differently. Um, because the question he wrestles with throughout the whole book is what is youth ministry for? Right. That right. seems to be mm-hmm. this motivating question for him. Agreed. And so um, that actually early on when I kind of started to grab onto that question, because um, right now I think around the table, we're all at different stages, but all of us have kids, you know, all of us have youth ministry background, um, you know, our mm-hmm. pastor, we're all pastors. We're, um, but like now my kids are actually in youth ministry. They're in the thick of it. And so I'm going, so what is youth ministry for? And I'm putting on the hat as a parent, you know, if I think as a parent first, and then what is it for having been a youth pastor? What is it for as a pastor, right? And wrestling with that question. So I I actually just appreciated that question um, because it, it unpacks some of the underlying maybe assumptions or ways that we've treated things. I think throughout the book, you know, the uh, Jay, who's kind of the key youth pastor that he, he interacts with, you know, that's at the heart of really challenging his perspective. But um, I think Jay realized, you know, it's her journey of not being, you know, the, the fun, 
you know, just the coordinator for fun, the summer camp counselor kind of thing. And when it really got into the meat of, you know, at the end of the day, I think what we all get into ministry for is we get into disciple people, you know, kids, children. It doesn't matter which age, but we want people to know Jesus. And, you know, somewhere along the way that what is youth ministry for? Maybe maybe it got hijacked. Um, yeah, I'm willing to say I completely misunderstood the title at least getting in. I thought the question was, is this the end of youth ministry? Is it over? Is it outdated? Right. I hope right. not. I like and, my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but We'd I, like to keep you around too. So. <laughs> as I began to dig deeper, they re, she, he was really asking a good question. What is the end or the goal? And again, for me, there's a simplicity to Jesus True. in that it it is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And Nate is facing the task of making disciples in this particular time and cultural context, which is different than where I started, oh, a few years ago. Yeah. Different century. So, so now i got to admit something. Yeah. That's the first time I'm like, oh, yeah, the end of youth ministry. Yeah. <laughs> no. It it, it's, well, it's I'm not, dumb. It's not <laughs> over. Kids are important. I'll, I'll confess. I didn't I didn't get that until you just said that. The end. The goal. The teleos. Yeah. Of youth what is ministry. a telos? And it's to make disciples and to see in them. Telos would have been a better word. I could have been. <laughs> oh, jeez. It would have been more obscure. Yeah. But plenty of, his eye. <laughs> yeah. plenty of Latin in there. So, I mean, once I've grasped that, that he's, what is it all about? What's the end point? What's your goal? And again, I come back to Jesus, go and make disciples right. in whatever context we find ourselves. You know, and I... You know, you had to kind of get into it, too, because there's this kind of working parable when we talk right. about Jay, and it's kind of this this parable. It's a story that kind of engages these things, um, which made it, I think, is part of the reason why it was so long. Right. Um, but I, I thought the story was pretty engaging. Like, I kept wanting to, to read in the next part. And then when we get to, I don't know, I don't want to be a spoiler, but part of uh, what's suggested is that sharing stories is is part of the goal of 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 youth ministry or just ministry in, in general. And so then it kind of made sense, like, why we're using a story, a parable, to kind of dive in. Um, but yeah, otherwise, some of the generalizations are kind of reductionist uh, kind of things. Sure. And then he would even admit it at points, you know, like, this is a little yeah. Remind you that he was aware. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was one thing. And, and that was maybe some of the impulsive, maybe a little bit of defensiveness, because I was a youth pastor you know uh, uh, uh yeah, 20 yeah. Year, well yeah i don't i don't do math but it was it was a while ago uh, yeah. <laughs> so i i think what a couple of things are interesting one one thing i appreciate about andy and not only this book and other books is what jb just noted is that when he's like writing he's like this may not apply to everybody this may be an oversimplification he at least admits it um sure. he doesn't leave you wondering if the author gets it or not so i i, I like that the other thing that that really struck me um and all of this, as he described it, is, is how the cultural landscape has changed. Oh, uh, yeah. And so let me let me get, kind of give you a brief overview. And this is going to probably predate Nate. Um, <laughs> I'm the young guy here. Yeah. Okay. Actually, well, kind you're of, not. No. You are not the young guy. I'm <laughs> holding down the 30s over here in this corner. So, so many, many years ago when I was engaged in youth ministry and teaching youth ministry, um, there were two kind of cultural assumptions. One is – that nobody scheduled on anything on Wednesday evening because that was church night. And there was no athletics 
community athletics on Sunday. Yeah, that's sacrilege. Okay. Yeah. I mean that yeah, was kind of the more. that was kind of the <laughs> the cultural the cultural environment. Um the first thing that um that I saw kind of generally was the beginning of Sunday afternoon athletics. That 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 was the first sure piece. The second piece was actually um Wednesday evening now being scheduled with other community kind of activities alongside the church. So there was this competition. Um, and, and Nate feels that competition because he has to run youth ministry in the evening, and he's up against community events every night of the week. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then, then the third shift was actually movement of sports to Sunday morning. Okay. Um, and um, I have grandkids. Um it's hard to believe that I do, but I do. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, hockey on Sunday morning is a hockey morning, Sunday morning game at 11 o'clock. And the parents now are trying to navigate priorities. How do I prioritize something as simple as church attendance, which used to be taken for granted? How do I prioritize youth group attendance? Um, in light of everything else that's going on in my kid's life. That's that's the tension that they're feeling. And I think that's the tension that he's trying to help us um, understand that, that parents are, are facing and and then why they're making decisions they're making. Um, so I was I was really struck by this statement. I'm sorry it's a bit wordy, Nate. Um, it's okay. Um <laughs> on, on I'll listen, you're not gonna on, apologize on, to the rest of us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on page sixty five. Um, and and I was struck by this, especially in his discussion of how growing up has slowed down. In other words, that that we we work hard to keep our kids away from adult responsibilities. Um, some theorists are discovering that the most recent generation, often called Generation Z or the I generation, is growing up more slowly than their predecessors. So it's no wonder, and I would say it's actually because of this, that they are much more individualistic and internally focused and far less religious. Some even claim that religion as a whole is unsafe. If a youth ministry is going to be for anything deeper than watering value seeds and being a benign, safe place that serves as another tool for happiness— then it will have to affirm the sense of an identity quest and also challenge it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get y'all's reaction to that. And, of course, we'll begin with our youth director and youth specialist, Nate. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, there's a, a lot to unpack there. Yep. Um, That's why I chose it, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the, the quest for happiness thing, like, that's – that's a real battle that people are facing all the time. This one thing, another thing this book talks a lot about is joy mm-hmm. uh, and the difference between happiness and joy, which I think that was one thing the author did a really good job of kind of defining um, and separating. But uh, you know, this, this battle going on for identity is also a big thing. That's, that's hard. And kids are also always trying to, I mean, identity is a huge thing with kids right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. And as they try to define you know, their identities, they're basing their identities into specific things that they're a part of. 
um, and they're trying to be affirmed through these things. And it talks about, you know, the, the quote you just had as youth ministry sometimes being an unsafe place, um, or they think it can be, is sometimes we live in a world where kids are thinking, like, if you don't agree with everything I do all the time or you don't agree with every decision I make, then you don't love me. Right. That's the culture we're fighting against all the yeah. time. Um, so, you know, it's this interesting kind of back and forth of like, I love you, but I also have to sometimes be able to tell you like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's unhealthy. There's yeah. a cost and consequence to that. So, you know, the, unfortunately, we're battling this culture of you do you all the time and, and you you do what you should do and you pick what you want to be. And, and you know, sometimes as as caring adults, we have to be able to show kids like, we love you, but this isn't what's best for you. Um, and that kind of plays into this happiness and joy thing too, where the, the happiness is, is an unachievable goal, right? Because every time you think you get to happy, you realize, well, I'm not quite there. Or joy is this sort of always with you kind of thing that you can find in other places besides these activities that they're trying to place their identity in. Yeah. You you can bring, because joy is a gift, you can bring it to other places. Right. Mm -hmm. There's something really powerful for me on page 138, and he talks about the challenge of, of happiness. I'll read it here. For while happiness allows me the freedom to be whoever I want, boy, do we see and hear that in all kind of ways. I want to be free to be whoever I want. He goes on, I have no meaning unless you recognize me. So if you refuse or even overlook or dismiss my expression of my identity, you are assumed to have violently stripped me of meaning. The pursuit of happiness as an end in itself never gets there. Yeah. Right. So it's unachievable. Tough stuff. Yeah, unachievable. And it, what a burdened place on young people. Yeah. You go figure out who you are. Tough stuff. Well, right? it, I mean, it it is interesting in the sense that even the and even the identity quest. I mean, historically, your identity would have have been tied to some sort of family lineage, mm-hmm. something there that you would have found. A connection with. I mean, I still remember my dad in one of his moments of marvelous discipline <laughs> saying to me, um, how did what you did, how does that reflect on your family? In other words, my identity was somehow tied up with the family's identity and it could you couldn't separate them. Sure. Um, and what's interesting now is the identity quest is just severed from anything. It's like totally up to you to figure it out. It's severed from your DNA. Severed from your DNA. It's, se- I mean, it's severed from everything. Things, and yeah. so, so what, part of what I think he's getting at here is youth ministry in that kind of context and in, in parents' minds takes on a different role. It's not about spiritual formation. It's not about discipleship. It's not about those things. It's about another place where my child can fi- can build and create their own identity. And it's interesting that I've never considered the church to be a quote-unquote safe place because the gospel is transformative. Right. It should be safe in other ways, but the gospel itself is not safe. Yeah. You may end up hearing the gospel and moving to a, a, a different country, yeah. a cool. different setting, out of a gated community into the ghetto. Well, unfortunately, like, again, the culture we live in, like, safety to a lot of people is defined as, like, total affirmation of everything I, I'm deciding right. or I'm choosing, right. right? Right. And 
quite frankly, like Jesus loves us the way we are. And I've heard this, I can't remember where I heard the quote from, but refuses to leave us that way. Right. Right, Like there's always this, you know, strive for something a little better through Jesus in Jesus. Right. Right. And he does a great job of showing how that is a part of the relationships that we right. get to be a part of through youth ministries and stuff too. So, yeah. As I was thinking about that quote, like what struck me was, and, and he laid this out, like the difference, the fast times, I, that was kind yeah. of the, the fast times at yeah. Ridgemont High. Yeah. Yeah. I remember and, that movie. And, every, came out. and back in the day, everyone was trying to grow up faster, grow up faster. I want to have new experiences. I want to do all these things. And him kind of, I thought that was insightful. I didn't like yeah. nowadays kids are like, delaying growing up and delaying those experiences and i and i I'm, i can't help but think that those are related because to to develop i mean it's overwhelming right it's overwhelming for an adult to try yeah. to to try to figure out my own you know my own identity and my own willpower much less a, a an adolescent you know young person i mean so i think those things are re- they must be related you know sure um do you, you remember wanting – I remember wanting to get my driver's license on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I did. I did. Yeah. 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 Now, that's yeah. very not much the case. not the case. A lot of kids don't do that now. Yeah. Yeah. So the the fast growing up and slow growing up was a real insight from yeah. this book well, for me. Well, what's interesting to me there is what what are the experiences that we guard young people from? Failure. Well, and well, that's – Not just uh, – uh, But that's not just to my fa- point. Like failure. What it, I'm thinking of when I hear this is – avoiding of suffering like if our story is a utopian because the whole you do you you find you and it's sort of ethereal is a utopian idea yeah that dismisses the reality of sin suffering um you know to have a church where you where yes the gospel is dangerous but so are relationships yeah you're gonna be hurt you're gonna harm others. You, the story of God is as much about forgiveness. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, or or more so. Yeah. Than not screwing up, right? I mean, so it, it, when we only strive, if when we strive to remove suffering and we strive for utopia, you can't help but not grow up, because growing up is learning to actually deal with the cross is learning to actually deal with what does it mean to be harmed to hurt to you know to have to forgive to to be forgiven to you know and so like this whole and he gets at it without saying it but you know at the end this whole idea of part of what youth ministry is for so our kids can really experience some of what it means to be the church together, to be with people who are different. And yes, it's isolated, you know, in youth ministry, oftentimes it gets isolated to, you know, particular age ranges. But what he experienced in Jay's youth group was it was actually the church. It was multi-generational. It's Nate, it's what you do with your leaders when you see even the generations of leaders you have in those relationships. And so, I, I mean, that's – as I think about that quote and what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, is whenever we avoid suffering, we're going to delay maturing. And because Ooh, the gospel – that's quotable. The, Say that again. Whenever <laughs> we, write that down. Whenever we delay <laughs> suffering yeah. you know, or, or avoid suffering, we're going to delay maturing. Well, that's sure. how we learn, right? That's how right. kids learn. Exactly. And it's the gospel because the gospel is about redeeming. Not avoidance. So you learn right. far less when things are going extremely well for you than what you do <laughs> learn when you have to figure some stuff out along sure. the way or struggle through some things. Yeah, I wish I'd learned far less. 
<laughs> well, that'll preach. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's intriguing in the sense for me in this discussion is to think about how, how parents navigate this. Yeah. You know, and what tools and resources do they have to navigate it? Um, because I think it's totally fascinating because I, you know, the, I was part of the fast growing up. You know, I was ready to move out of the house at 18. I was ready sure. to get a job. I was ready to take on adult responsibilities. Um, you know, ha- you know, even college to me felt too much like an interlude at, at times. Um, I, w- I was ready yeah. to go. I wanted to get through college as fast you know, as I could. But, but college was you got through fast. Um, of course, it was affordable, so you could actually work in the summer and pay for most <laughs> yeah. of it. Um, you, you, not you, true for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you didn't want to delay it. Um, and, and now I, I think I, 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 I watch young people, I guess is a good way to put it. And that delay thing, that, that slowing down is very much a part of it. Um, I'm not, and I'm not going to say grow, yeah. the fast was good. I'm not going to say the slowing was good. It's just, how do we, how do we help young people and how do we help parents navigate this environment in a way that's spiritually formative is, is really right. the question that because we don't want to create suffering right i mean that's that's the other side of it we sure. don't want to create i mean as much as we we want to create safe spaces this is just my thoughts right where you can work through the suffering, right? That that would be what safety actually is for me of going yeah. where you can be reconciled, where you can learn to forgive right. as much as you have the freedom to to make mistakes. Now, right. I don't want to, though, go, all right, I'm going to throw my kids, no. you know, <laughs> into, into horrible, you know, like, oh, hey, yeah, you're just going to get bullied left and right, you know, to use that term or – those suffering will find you in a broken world. Suffering finds you. And in the church. You don't, yeah, you don't <laughs> have to seek it out. But, but, I, but I think people know when we're trying to fashion an environment that enhances suffering. And I don't think that's right. helpful at all. Right. Right. I mean, I back in the day, my younger days when I used to lead wilderness trips, you know, there's a certain amount of suffering in doing a 21-day <laughs> wilderness trip, um, especially with juvenile delinquents. So, you know, I did court-ordered trips. <laughs> And one of the things that, that really struck me is, you know, these trips were difficult, a lot of processing, a lot of helping them rethink decisions they'd made, like driving bulldozers into a lake that they'd stolen. Oh, don't um, do that. Sweet. Um, trying to rethink all that. But what was what really, really struck me in that was there seemed to be all this learning that was taking place while we were doing the trips. But the second we were back in, quote, unquote, civilization, how much of that learning seemed not to apply? have taken yeah. root because because learning is so contextual yeah you put them back in the same environment yeah and they fall back into the same patterns and habits well and that's something too like there's a lot of different perspectives on youth ministries mm-hmm. um there's sort of this this side of this camp that camps and big experiences and these wow moments right, right are one direction a lot of youth ministries tend to go which are great, and they do provide memorable experiences, right? But then there's this other sort of walk alongside them in a daily, you know, mm-hmm. um, ongoing long-term friendship and relationship. But I think it's the balance of the two that you need to find, right? right. 
Well, events that help create relationships that carry on. Right. Yeah. I'm real thankful as I watch what y'all do with our students here in Holland and with Hardaway is it's it's long-term enough that long after folks are at a youth group, they'll call you back because yeah. I've observed that and seen it. Well, that's mm-hmm. a hard thing about youth ministries is sometimes yeah. it's five, ten years even yeah. after you're done working <laughs> with them when you get that phone call or you, you meet them in the store, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, you know, hey, I remember those times. And I'm so grateful and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you didn't feel that way ten years ago, but thanks now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey Nate, I, I've got this question: As we think about the book and that, that what's the end of youth ministry, or what's youth ministry for? You know, what is it for for you as as a youth pastor, as one who's committed to to students, um, to loving them, to walking with them? To, you know, what what is it for for you? I mean, obviously, this is the Sunday school answer, but you know, the the number one goal is to help them get to know Jesus better. Um, but one thing that I think this kind of going back to the book that this book does a really cool job, especially in the the end um, of pointing out is one of the best ways in which we do that is through authentic and real Christian relationships with each other too. So there's obviously this vertical relationship that we're trying to build, you know, the, the God to student relationship, but there's also the horizontal person to person relationship. So in finding that balance, um, is, is sort of what, what we try to do is obviously there's moments when we need to connect you to God and you need to have, have that going on. But, you know, I've used the term selfish Christianity. Like it's not just, just about you and God, like the, obviously right. very important. Um, but it doesn't end there, right? There's that relationship with others and that friendship and long going, um, relationship that needs to happen with, with people in youth group too. So it's kind of the combination of those two things and finding that, you know, where those two things intersect. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah. How about, I mean, maybe throw this out to the rest of, of y'all as you've, you've encountered, I mean, how would you, how would you answer that question? This will tell me what I need to do better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We're trying to find out. (laughs) Well, boy, part of what I remember hoping to do was to help kids um, encounter uh, Christ have a real living encounter that becomes part of what they take into their future. I can't give them an answer that they can look up in 20 years. Sure. But if I can help them learn to uh, encounter, meet Jesus where they are, wh- wherever they are, that they'll carry that into a life. That in a sense you're looking um, for more than just knowledge, something that will move with them. And that's really the work of Jesus himself. Want to be a, a you know a part of that planted yeah. in their life, and I think, I mean, I think when I was reading this too, you know, the counselor of fun, you know, and <laughs> I mean, I think you know, youth group is fun. Sure, you know, I, I went yeah. to youth group and we had a lot of fun. Well, there needs right. to be an element, of right? That, right, these but, are yeah. still teenagers. But the the so. fun is not the, <laughs> we the end now, <laughs> right? The fun is not the end. It's simply right. a means to make these connections, and it helps people kind of break down the guard of, of building sure. those relationships. Right. Right. And and that's what I would say, yeah, relationship. And like our human relationships is most often the space and the arena in which people meet Jesus. And uh and so I mean I yeah. I mean I I, I think when I was uh I was twenty two <laughs> I mean I'm like five years older than some of our seniors <laughs> when I started in youth ministry and so I had no idea what I was doing um, but I remember one of the one of the most a negative, you know, like one of the most 
hurtful kind of difficult thing was when, when, and I only was there for two years for a variety of reasons, but um, when one of our students was going through something um, that was difficult and maybe some, there was some shame or something and this was after we left, but she did not reach out to us and like disconnected. And it was like, dang, like for the last two years, I wanted to be a safe person. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it was like, I can't, she, I don't, I don't, I don't, and we're, we've connected since, but she couldn't, she felt like she couldn't share this part of her journey with Yvonne and I. And it was like, again, I don't know all the reasons, but it was like, Man. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it was you guys. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, right. it wasn't. Sure. Like I know. But, we have that experience, you know, I've been, been at Hardwick for quite a few years now, and we've had that experience multiple times where, you know, we'll be getting together as leaders and talking, hey, have you seen, you know, Bobby or Susie in a while? No, we haven't seen them. They haven't been around. And, you know, three or four months later, they'll come back into the anchor, be at youth group again, kind of out of nowhere, and we'll catch up and we'll find out, like, yeah, they were into some stuff they maybe shouldn't have been, and they did feel mm-hmm. – um, you know, like not, not because of the fault of anything we were doing. Like you do all you can. But, right. right. But sure. they felt like, well, you know, Satan has a way of, of pulling yep. you away from the sure. places and the people and the things yep. that are going to help you out of some of those hard spaces. Sure. Um, but a lot of times they come back. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think something to cling to, too. Sure. And to keep the door open. Absolutely. Keep sure. the light on at night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As, I have a joke with, yeah. with kids all the time. We have our youth group, you know, every week we meet. And, you know, every week, you know, I make the kids repeat, Nate at Hardawake.com. That's my email yep. address, right? And they get, you know, and it's this big joke and everybody kind of makes fun of me, dad joke kind of thing. But every one of those kids, and I see multiple kids, you know, that are in college now or even out of college, and I'm like, hey, you remember how to get a hold of me, right? Oh yeah, NateHardwick.com. I know, I know. There you so go, like, man. they always know. They always know they can Which, reach out whenever they need to. The re- and and the fact that you've been here for how many years? Uh, well, been helping in volunteer. I started volunteering as a high schooler uh, in youth ministry for middle school back in the uh, late nineties. Which is and started get, and started yeah. getting yeah. you know paid here at Hardwick in the early two thousands. So yeah. it's been a few years. Which is but I'm still young at heart, so oh, absolutely. I got that going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting as I'm listening to you is just the at the heart of the question, right, that he's wrestling with is if we try to play the world's game the world's way, we'll lose. We'll lose. We yeah. can't keep up. No. But we do have something different. I've worked in one of those churches. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you know. Well, and I yep. think that's the blessing of being able to yeah. be here um, in the culture we have here is we all feel called to disciple people and we actually get to do that here. Yeah. Right. It, where it's, you know, we're, we're trying not to put the pressure on Nate to be the counselor of fun, right. Of going, yeah. Hey, to mix the ends, you right. know, and confuse the ends, but to be able to say, Hey, how do you, how do you engage students? And you use the word authentic, you know, in real ways, real ways that have, that involve pain, that involve heartache, that involve joy and well, successes, right? Authenticity I mean, is is refreshing to kids, right? Because they live in this social media world where all they're seeing are highlight reels of other people. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to compete with when you're trying to figure out your own identity and you're looking at all these, you know, Instagram and Snapchat and all this stuff. Like these, I, these 
I mean, they're real moments for these kids, but sure. these are few and far between moments that they're seeing highlight reels and trying to compare their own identities and lives too. Yeah. So authenticity, when they get that, that's like a refreshing and relieving, sure. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. way of just being with people. Well, and it goes I, back to the God that we have who allows us to be authentic, real. No. Not, but so. I do think it's important to define when we use that word authenticity that we, we describe it and define it because it means right. has a variety of meanings yes. in our society and culture. That's fair. So to be authentic is to be who I want to be and who I am. Um, whereas authentic within our, our tradition um, is always going to define um, a being true and honest in light of who we are in relationship to Christ. Yeah, when I say authentic, yeah, I don't necessarily mean setting your own identity, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. I'm just yeah. saying there's a, there's a whole. Yep. I mean, that's yep. the the, nav- the culture we're navigating yeah. Yeah. that makes it difficult. I think one of the things for me when I think about youth ministry, really quickly, um, that that really struck me is what does it mean to create a safe place where young people can wrestle with their spiritual formation? Um, and, that, and that really struck me years ago when I was sitting in a youth group meeting with my daughter. My two daughters would never go to youth group unless I went with them, which was interesting. Dad, we're not going unless you come. <laughs> um, but I remember one particular incident with, with one of my daughters where she's like – he's the youth pastor gave a talk and she mumbled something to me, which I won't repeat publicly, about what <laughs> he's – her assessment of what he was teaching. And I was like, well, you should ask a question. Push back. And she goes, oh, dad, it's useless. He doesn't listen anyway. Ooh. And, and so I was like, you know, what kind of, what kind of environment do we want to create? You know, and when I talk about safe, it's a safe place to wrestle with one's spiritual questions, to wrestle with what it means to follow Christ faithfully, um, to create an environment that allows students to ask those questions that they're wrestling with um, is really difficult in this day and age. Um, because we don't usually welcome questions well. And they'll start asking those questions later. Later. And it's not a safe place for fostering faith, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't know that that's a student ministry issue either. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times I've said from the pulpit, you can disagree with me, and I'm committed to loving you. I'll do the best I can. Um, I'll be open about my heart. You need to be safe to receive it and to keep yours. Yep. Some people see questions as like an attack, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I think our entire youth ministry staff sees questions as like this is a great thing. You're thinking about these things, right? <laughs> like this is a this is a good step. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just being open, you know, like God is God and we're not. So right. anybody who thinks they have all the answers, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't spend too much time listening to that that guy or girl. Um, so being open to people's questions. Um, you know, and, and helping kids understand, like, we don't expect you to know everything. Um, we're just glad you're here and honoring us with your conversation about it, you know, mm-hmm. and your questions about it. So that's just, that's a, you know, a good way to make, that's, I mean, that's youth ministry 101, like mm-hmm. ask questions and be open to questions. Yep. Well, Nate, you got any final, final thoughts for us today as we kind of wrap, wrap up our conversation? Um. No, I guess just to kind of take it back to the book, like this book talks a lot about identity, um, and it, I think it does a good job, especially in the conclusion, about talking sort of – we live in a world where identity, the culture is telling us that identity is something that's individualized, right? Like we define it. We, yep. 
It's about me and it's about what I do and it's about what I choose and, you know, in hopes that people will agree with that or affirm that. Um, but I think in this book does a good job of, of talking about it at the very end. Like identity really is about more about your relationships and your relationship specifically with God, but then also with the people around you. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's the culture, you know, that we're trying to always create at the anchor. And we're blessed with the beautiful resource of a building, you know, and a space to, to be able to foster some of those relationships and those hangout times. And, um, yeah, just, it's, it's about relationship. It's, you know, again, the, the social media world is, is, um, you know, it's, it's meant to bring people together, but what it does is it, it separates people yeah, and it individualizes people because you're always trying to promote or, or compete yourself against other people, um, with these highlight reels. So anyway, I thought the book did a good job of, of kind of wrapping up in that regard of, you know, the whole, the Jay, the youth pastor that, um, he's working with in the book, um, ends with just a sort of an ice cream social at the local Dairy Queen. And and she pointed out how important just that time of relationship and friendship and, and spending time and rubbing shoulders with other people is. Um, so anyway, yeah, again, identity just being something that's that's more about the people in your lives and the relationships in your lives than it is like the real authentic relationships in your lives than it is about this me and individualization. And if you can create a youth ministry that provides an atmosphere like that where you really grow close to people and you care about people and you know they care about you and you share each other's burdens and um you know that's just that's that's what we really need to strive for yeah well i want to say i mean i i hope i can speak for us but as as a whole but looking looking at what you do nate and and how you lead our youth ministry here um at heart i would say if andy came on campus He'd find another example, another picture of what he saw in Jay's youth group, um, and I think it, it, you know, of of how you live into the very thing that captured his heart um, and gets at the core. Um, you're part of man, and you're leading, and so mm-hmm. you know, on our behalf, that. thank you. Um, I also yeah, three cheers and all those Amen. leaders that you that you walk with and help and. I mean, there's a whole team. Of we have people. a tremendous staff of of leaders at at uh, at Heart Awake Youth Ministry. Um, couldn't do it without them. Very grateful for them. Yep. And this, yeah, I mean, there's things like I said going into this book. We talked about it right at the very beginning. There's things about this book with the brush, the wide brush strokes that are like, you know, hey, I think we're doing a great job here. But there's other things that we're like, hey, these are some good ideas that we can try to look into and and try to even you know improve on what we do. So, but I appreciate the kind words. Awesome. Thank you. So our book this month was the the end of youth ministry, the telos, which is kind of like, yeah the telos the oh what's youth ministry <laughs> <it> for? for? <laughs> it's youth not ministry is not end. ending, everybody. Right. I promise. <laughs> Why parents don't really care about youth groups and what youth workers should do about it. Andy Andrew uh, Root, and uh, for next month we're going to dive into we're going to start kind of. Throughout weaving in for each of us, the four of us, um, an impactful book that has touched our lives. Um, and so uh, next time I'm going to be leading that with The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning, um, probably the most impactful book outside of the scriptures yep, I can that, imagine. that definitely changed my life. So I uh, look forward to you joining us. The Ragamuffin Gospel is what we're going to be reading next time. Um, but uh, I'm going to go the right 
I'm going to go to my right for for myself, Aaron, Nate, Darwin, JB, and the end of the line, Bill. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to say thanks for joining us and uh, God bless. <laughs>